And welcome back to the damn podcast coming to you live on YouTube and anytime on your favorite streaming service. I'm Carter Baines and she's Angie Machado, publisher of beaverblitz.com. Uh, we're live on Zoom right now on, on YouTube and this is probably the last time you and I are going to sit down for this for a couple of weeks. You're off to France in what less than a week now. Less than a week. Yes. Angie, before we get into anything Oregon State related, um, how excited are you to go to France? And why are you uh, why are you kind of cramping my style? I, I was just the big international traveler. Serious. I, I know Greece sounds actually I am not. I will say this. I am not like this. Paris has not been on my huge bucket list. I mean, I'm not complaining, but um, one of my good best girlfriends is having a major birthday. And so this has like always been her dream. So it's a girl trip. We're hitting Paris for five days, six days, and then heading to Florence, Italy for a couple of days, just the girls. And um, gosh, we really have no plans. So, and if you have anything that I need to do or see or eat, in Paris or Florence, please drop it in the chat or put it on the put it in the DMs on my on my DM or on the lot in the lodge because we really have no plans. I know there's a ton to see and do, but um, I'm really looking forward to people watching and having some good food and good wine and good coffee because I know the coffee in Europe is amazing. So that's why I'm going. My friend Jaya turns 50 this uh, on, on oh gosh she turns next Wednesday a week from today. So a week from today, I will be, our plan is to be at the Eiffel Tower outside having a picnic for dinner at this time. So that's, that's not bad. what I'll be doing. Yes. I'll be, I'll be hanging out in Corvallis, hoping for uh, some better weather, recovering from uh, the night before, which is the first of five rivalry matchups on the baseball diamond between Oregon State and Oregon. So you'll have it a little better than me. Not Although the lie, weather but... does not, weather does not look any better, honestly. So that's, I'm trying to pack right now. And I had, excuse me, I had to go out and buy a new raincoat because I just have a little short rain jacket. And I think if I'm going to be trekking around, I need it something a little longer. So hit up the yeah. store and got myself a new raincoat because that's you might how not be, you might not be as lucky as I was about two weeks ago with the weather in Greece. Cause uh, it was, it was pretty nice. It was I definitely used... hard to come back to Oregon and see snow uh, falling from the sky in the middle of April. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's the best way to do it, Angie, go in without a plan and just kind of, you know, see what happens, take it, yeah. take it one minute at a time and, um, live it up because as it was for me, um, you know, for you as well, it's a much deserved vacation, uh, after the last couple of months here, it's, it's been absolute chaos. So take some time to recover. Don't even think about Beaver Blitz. We've got it covered for you. Well, you know, I will, because I don't think I've taken a day that I've not been in the lodge, but I did tell Carter, I said, you know what? I, it's that big nine hour, 10 hour time difference. So anything that I read in the day will already been taken care of, or I'll, it'll be night. Anyway, it's, it's all kind of messed up. So um, yeah, Carter will have it covered and uh, I know it's in great hands, but I do any good news or breaking news. I know he'll text me because I'll be checking in. You can't you get just, rid of me. You just might be asleep while it happens, but that's right. exactly. I'll probably be asleep. Exactly. <laughs> that's kind of how things worked for me while I was abroad. But uh, today, Angie, before you head out, we've got a full show ahead of us. Three sports to cover here. We're going to talk some football spring game. A spring camp just wrapped up, man, four or five days ago now. 
Um, so we're in the middle of the off season now. They're they're gearing off up. Season. Well, yeah, if, if there's such thing as an off season, they're not going to practice for a few months. So that takes a little bit off our plate. Um, we'll talk about what's next for the team as they ramp up to fall camp here in about what, four months from now, we'll talk a little baseball too. We've got two series to recap, uh, Gonzaga and Long Beach state series. Uh, we'll talk about those and preview this weekend's upcoming PAC 12 series against Washington. Uh, we'll wrap things up with men's basketball signing day, uh, which was, was that a week ago? It was a week you know, ago. I've, I've, I've lost track of time now. Um, so we'll recap the three signees there and then your weekly Jade Carey update at the end of the show as well. But Angie, real quick, um, got to ask you as always, what drink you have on hand tonight as we uh, kick off this this final show with you for a couple of weeks. Okay, so I, I told Carter I wasn't going to tell you guys, but so my dog was sick all night last night, so I was up. I'm exhausted because I got like zero sleep. So I do have big water here, um, but I do have my tsunami stout from Pelican Local Beach. So I love me a stout in this weather. Just kind of screams stout tonight. Supporting you, the Oregon coast. I'm going a little further south down to Southern California with a hard kombucha, flying embers. Um, the first time I had this, I was in Palm Springs and that was, there was nothing more refreshing than having a hard kombucha by the pool in about 80 degree weather in February. Um, so ever since then, I've, I've kind of been hooked. Um, I just got back from Trader Joe's actually, which is where I got that one. So nice. uh, the black cherry, it's, it's, uh, it's a new favorite of mine, but um, no more ouzo. I've still got it, but I, I got to make it last, you know, that authentic straight from Greece. Like you have to savor it. That is, that's a special occasion. For okay. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting. I, I don't like black licorice, but one of these days you and I are going to do a, an Uzo together. Oh yeah. I'll let you make yeah. me an Uzo cocktail. And I'm sure you'll have plenty of great wine while you're in France too. So you can, you can rub it into us when you get back. Hopefully you're able to bring back a bottle or something for yourself. Uh, as yes, I did lots, lots of wine, lots of bubbles. Um, I don't, I don't know. Red wine always gives me, makes my heart race and I'm old Carter. I'm just old, but I hear, I hear that European wine doesn't do that. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, the shenanigans will in, entail here. And I have one friend that is actually French and she's already kind of, I think dreading my friend Sierra and I, um, yeah, I think she mentioned something about keeping our phones on so she could always find us. Or um, even buying one of those little like kindergarten ropes with the loops on it. She's, she thought we might need that because uh, the backpacks with the leashes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. what we told her. We might need leashes because, um, yeah. Anyway, it's a birthday me, party you, after you all. You have right? seen me um, have a few too many cocktails, and I can become a little bit like a dog chasing a squirrel. Yeah, our, our week at the LA Bowl for yeah. sure, where where this where this cup came from. But Angie, cheers to uh, cheers, Carter. To trip another another week, another another week down. All right, let's get into let's it. Go. We've got football to talk about. So Oregon State's spring game on Saturday took place at Research Stadium. Construct construction and all. Uh, it was a, a really weird looking backdrop. Uh, from the east side, looking west and seeing just, you know, dirt, some cement. Where did they seat you guys? Were you in the club? Uh, I wish. 
there was actually <laughs> so media was actually located on the field and then anywhere in the stands um and so another member of the media and myself walked up to the loge section thinking oh you know not a bad place yeah. we'll have some chairs you know place to put our computers um doors open we walked right in there were some other fans there we're there for probably 10 minutes before a, a security attendant comes in and says, hey, we're going to have to ask you to leave. This is supposed to, I don't know how this door got unlocked, but nobody's supposed to be in here. And I don't know. We were both rubbed the wrong way. It, was, it wasn't really handled very, uh, I don't know, how should, like politely. It was yeah. kind of like a, you got to go like now. Um, but it, we, we got to talking a little bit about, you know, just how things are, are handled from time to time at, at Oregon State. And you know, it, it, it wouldn't take that much to, uh, to give us a designated viewing area where we can actually see what's going on on the field. But for the amount of time that we did spend there, and then we went up to, uh, an, an upper section, we were able to take in what was going on on the field. Um, I actually wrote a takeaways article on Monday, just giving kind of my, my top 10 thoughts from what unfolded on Saturday. And, um, Angie, I, I, I kind of want to start with you because you saw it on the TV side um, and I didn't. I'm curious, how was the spring game handled on Pac-12 networks? Because I know in the past, um, Oregon State fans have kind of, you know, ha haven't been too satisfied with um, the amount of football that's shown compared to interviews and, and you name it, what else? So um, it was a short spring game, only about an hour. But how did things kind of unfold on the TV side of things? Yeah, you know, so I've learned over the years that whenever the Pac-12 network is involved, you set your your standard, your bar super low because somehow, no matter how low it is, somehow they can usually go beneath it. So it was low. I will say um, I was impressed by the amount of football that we saw. I mean, they actually showed plays. Um, they talked a ton about Trent Bray and, and, you know, the Oregon State's new defensive coordinator. Um, they talked, you know, it's, it's always kind of a rah-rah session. You get Yogi Roth, Nigel Burton. So you had, you had Nigel talking all about, well, this, he reminds me of when he played here. And, and then Yogi's always, you know, very positive. Um, what I was, you know, the biggest thing that struck me though, is the lack of fans one and two, the lack of former players. I mean, typically spring game is a pretty, not a, big I mean it's it is a big deal especially with the former players and they get Brandon Cooks and Johnny Hecker and Sean Mannion and um, DJ Alexander I mean they get all these guys to come back and they're on the sidelines and they're interviewing them and there wasn't any of that and the fan turnout was horrible and then you know I mean I was struck a, a friend of both of ours a mutual friend had written on Facebook that morning just how disappointed he was with the lack of any kind of activities any any autograph sessions very poor planning very and i maybe oregon state just didn't want anybody down there with the construction and such but they could have handled it so different yeah it seemed like a missed opportunity to me uh to get more people in there to you know rally people around completing research stadium because obviously that's a big focal point of what was going on during the spring game um i don't know as, as far as where were the cameras located were they filming from the they were on the side they were on the east side Okay. So we could see some, I mean, they were kind of zoomed down, but yeah, they kept even mentioning how weird it was to be on that side sure. and that angle. Um, I, I don't know they might've been, maybe, maybe they were up club level or maybe in that conc. I'm not sure exactly where 
they, mm -hmm. they were situated, but um, pretty decent view. Um, we can talk about the play, our thoughts on the play in a minute, but that was kind of my takeaway. I thought, I, mean, I thought it was okay. It didn't, it didn't go beneath my expectations. I didn't have anything too high. Um, and I was impressed because it does seem in past years, the big complaint has been that they're too busy talking and interviewing and we're not seeing the action. So for the most part, I would say that they, they spent time showing what was going on. Yeah. At Reese or two, you know, I, I think part of the fan turnout, first of all, was because of the weather. It, it absolutely poured at the end of that game. And was um, it as freezing things were cold? Wrapping up. It was, yeah, it was frigid. I mean, my hands were numb. It was probably low forties and, and dumping rain. It was really windy that day too. Um, so a lot of the fans that were there were actually kind of tucked under cover. Okay. Um, so it's possible that, you know, maybe the cameras didn't even show the full turnout, but even then um, it was a small turnout by Oregon state spring game standards, which are, are fairly low are to begin low. with. <laughs> um, well, I will say, so I typically go down for spring game and I did not go this year because my son had baseball, a baseball tournament, and it was a little bit later in the day, but I couldn't have made it back in time. And it snow. It was up at Delta park Carter and it started to snow and a heavy shower as we were making our way up to Delta park. I, it is mid April and it was snowing. It, I have not, we sat through two games and I was so freezing cold. It was horrible. So that's probably a good point about why people weren't at the spring game. Yeah. And the baseball game that, that ensued afterwards, um, those were pretty subpar conditions for baseball as well. Um, after the game, you know, I'm standing on the field conducting interviews and like shivering. So yeah. um, just overall, not a great day for sports, but um, it was a big day. There was a lot going on on campus. Um, but Angela, let's talk more about what we saw on the field. I, I think we have to start with Silas Bolden, right? I mean, he, yeah. he was far and away the MVP of the spring game this year. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of action. Um, they only, like I said, went live for about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, the first team group was only limited to, to two drives, uh, but then they went red zone at the end of the session. And that's where Silas Bolden kind of took off. So he had two touchdowns, both of them for 25 yards. They were both on the first play of their drive um, and both came from Ben Branson. First one on a 25-yard ball to the end zone. And then the other one, um, we kind of got to see Bolden's speed and, and shiftiness kind of uh, come to fruition there as he as he made a couple of guys miss. And then he sprinted down the sideline to the end zone. So um, I, was, I was thrilled with what I saw from Bolden. He had a great camp, uh, took some first-team reps this spring. And uh, I, I think he's going to be a big part of the offense this year, whether that's as a deep threat, as a guy who's going to run the fly sweep, um, or, or just someone that you can look to for, for yards after the catch. Yeah. I, I was super impressed with what we saw, like you said, not only at the spring game, but in spring camp, I, we saw a lot of him, especially with the news then that Zariah Beeson has left the program. Um, and is transferring to Washington state yes. that came out about two hours ago. Uh, Zariah Beeson staying in the PAC 12, but going to the Palouse. Okay. What are your thoughts on that Carter? I just want, because I had such high hopes for Zariah, but what I saw was a guy that really struggled to get separation. Do you think he'll be successful up there in that run and shoot offense? Yeah, obviously it's a great scheme for a receiver to go into. Um, I, I think I, I did have some concerns about the way he was trending at Oregon state, but if there's a program that knows how to turn quarterbacks and receivers into stars, it's Washington state. Um, I, I think that system is, is conducive to, to getting guys touches 
even if they don't, even if they're not successful, um, getting separation by themselves, because you put five guys wide, uh, we've seen it torch Oregon state multiple times. You know, you, you could have the best defense in the world and guys are good, still going to be open. Um, so I think it's a good landing spot for Beast, and it, it just stinks from an Oregon State perspective that you see him stay on the West Coast and and play for a team that, you know, has had your number for so many years in a row now and yeah. that you're frankly going to be competing with tooth and nail in the Pac-12 North. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, so that's – but I, I'm happy for Silas. Um, do you think – okay, this is a way premature question, but do you think Silas has potential to, to maybe even pass some of his brothers? accomplishments at Oregon state. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, he is still so young um, that he has the time ahead of him to, to, you know, to make those things happen. I think he's going to be a big special teams threat this year. That's for sure. Um, Whether that's on punt return or kick returns, I think he's probably going to secure one of those two jobs. Um, And he's, you know, he and um, Josiah Irish and Anthony Gould are probably the top three fastest players on this team. Um, So they're going to be competing for those spots. But I I think Bolden, uh, just seeing the way that he's handled himself in in camp, the amount of reps he's gotten at receiver and on special teams, I think the the coaches want to find a role for him. You know, they want to get him on the field. So I I guess we'll just have to kind of wait and see what that role looks like before we determine you know, what, what his ceiling okay. is. Um, so Cause obviously I, what, what Victor did is it's going to be tough to beat. Yeah. So running through more of your takeaways, I want to hear your thoughts on quarterback because it's, it's funny because you and I sat through every practice that we media was allowed to watch. Um, we came out with our kind of big picture thoughts. And then you come to spring game and fans see that and say, Ben Goldbranson was the best quarterback out there. Let's hear your, your takeaway on that. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, I mean, all spring, what we had said was, you know, none of the quarterbacks really look too impressive, but but Chance showed some some signs of improvement. Um, you know, obviously, Chance Nolan coming back as as the incumbent starter um, has a leg up on the competition. So the question is, can Ben Branson and Tristan Jebbia make a push? Um, I think they did, to be honest, in the second half of camp and, and watching what Branson did in the spring game. I think really um, sets him up for, for a big time off season. You know, it's, it's difficult to come back from injury. And I think Especially a shoulder have, injury. Yeah. I, I think you and I might've seen that kind of unfold over the first couple of weeks of camp. Um, but it, he just looked substantially more comfortable with himself out there um, last Saturday. So I, I'm really curious if, if he's going to be in position to push for this job because quite frankly, what we saw over the last week or so of camp. And then again, during the spring game was chance Nolan didn't look all that impressive. You know, I think a decent amount of that comes from the pocket pressure that he was you know, faced with. And, and we're going to talk about the defense here in a second. Um, but one thing that Oregon state fans wanted to see from him going into this year was more comfortability in the pocket and ability to make throws downfield. And to be honest, I don't think either one of us saw that from them no, this spring. No, no. And then the other thing that I want to, before we jump to defense is, so I've been pretty bullish on Damian Martinez and I saw some, and I've actually, so I saw somebody on Twitter talk about, Oh no, there's no way that he, cause you made a prediction that he may be a starter by the end of the season. Somebody on Twitter came out and said, no, you guys are wrong. Deshaun Fenwick was, 
And then I said, well, I bet by the end of the year that the leader, leading rusher is Damian Martinez. Talk about that guy, because I think even during the spring game, he showed some glimpses of what he might be able to, to do. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think a lot of Oregon State fans came into this offseason thinking that Sean Fenwick was going to step up and, and be the next star. And there's no doubt in my mind that he has the potential to do that. You know, he, he's a talented running back. Um, I, I just think that there were too many bodies in this room for anyone to, to run away with the job. Yeah. But then I saw Damian Martinez take the field and I said, okay, he actually has the potential yeah. to do that. Um, I, I've compared him not as far as talent or, or playing style goes um, to the likes of Jaquiz Rogers and Jermar Jefferson as a guy who I think in the opening weeks of the season is going to get some reps on game day. And I think he has the potential to make the most of them and, and kind of just run away with this thing. Um, very reminiscent as, as far as body type goes to Jamar Jefferson, who is, you know, kind of a, one of those big, strong backs, um, who's going to kind of bully his bully his way through the line of scrimmage. And then he has the breakaway speed to get into the open field. I think if, if his career trajectory goes the way that I think it has the potential to go, this guy could rush for a thousand yards this year, Angie. I mean, he is, he is that good. I don't, well, so. I, I feel sometimes like I'm crazy for saying, but so I've covered this team a lot. I mean, we were probably still in diapers when I started covering this team. Well, maybe not quite, but um, I think back Carter to players that have just stood out. Like when they come in as a freshman, like that you just watch them and you're like, yeah, that guy is going to be good. And I can count them really on two hand. I mean, I, I think the, the names that come to mind would be Brandon cooks, Jacquez Rogers. Um, I wouldn't even say Jermar was in that league that like a quiz or Brandon was that first fall camp that he was at. Um, I, I mean, I thought he'd be good, but not. Yeah. Instantly. Well, and, with Jermar, it took until the Ohio state game when we saw him take a couple carries yeah. and, you know, he had those big runs, but I will, I I've said this, I think I've said it to you and I know I've sent it to a couple media people is that I haven't seen anyone look this impressive since um, in the running, in the backfield since quiz. So big shoes. And I'm not trying to say he's going to, be, I mean, gosh, if he could even come close to some of Quiz's accomplishments, but that type of talent differential. Yeah, I mean, if if he's half of the running back Jamar Jefferson was a couple of years ago, Oregon State's yeah. running game is is going to be one of the best in the conference again because you've got three guys who can well, do it. Yeah, because I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Deshaun because I think Fenwick has so much potential. I think you have Trey Lowe. Gosh, I'm still excited about Isaiah Newell and what he yeah. can do. Yeah, I mean, there's there's three or four guys in that room who I think are good enough to be starters in in the Pac-12. You know, maybe not on on this team because they they have so much competition, but each one of them has the talent level um, to be a, a first or second string guy on on any team in this conference. I'm I'm convinced. But Martinez definitely a name to watch come week one, um, and I know you and I will be watching him very closely in fall camp. Let's switch to the other side of the ball because I, I think most of the concerns coming into this offseason um, were obviously related to defense, the front seven, the defensive line, you know, a lack of depth, a lack of production over the last couple of years. Angie, you and I both saw the same thing from that group. And I, I think I saw even more of it in the last week of camp. Um, Trent Bray's scheme, his aggressiveness, 
the energy he brings to the mix totally rubs off on the players. Completely. I mean, it's a, it's the same guys, but they're playing completely different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exactly, it's 100% a scheme thing because the talent on this front seven is no better than it was last year or the year before. Um, you, you could even argue on the defensive line. It's, it's not as good as it has been yet. They're they've looked better so yeah, far. Yeah. Uh, w- would you agree with that? I mean, just yeah. pocket pressure alone. Yeah. I would say they have a ways to go, but um, I mean, I would say the defense I, out of the four practices, I went to defense one the day and three of those like hands down defense won the day and offense was doing up downs at the end of practice. Yeah. That's how Def- dominant it was. Yeah. The, the, the defense won the day in, man, I think I saw two practices and then the spring game after I got back um, from Greece and the, the defense, I mean, I mean, it was stifling. Yeah. I mean like the offense could not move the ball. Yeah. So I, I saw quarterbacks throwing off of their back foot, overthrowing receivers by five to 10 yards not because the quarterbacks aren't skilled. You know, each one of those guys can throw the ball. Um, it was just, they just had guys all over them. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I saw throws batted down at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, re- receivers downfield being covered heavily by a, a secondary that I think is going to be one of the top groups in the conference. If, yeah. if I'm being completely honest, I, I, I'm really high on this group. I Especially think the talent and experience on- that comes back. Rajon and out Julian back. I mean, think of that. And then also think about they were without Jaden Grant all season or all spring, who, when he comes back, the plan is to move him to safety, um, which is more his natural position. Sky's the limit for the, for yeah. the defensive backfield. I think we what both is, agree on that. What were your thoughts on the defensive or the outside linebacker defensive ends? Because I, I walked away pretty impressed with what I saw, especially from Corey Stover. And then also McCart- John McCartan and Ryan Frankie. Yeah, those three in, in particular had a great spring. Um, Stover stands out to me as, as someone who's ready to take that next step in his career. Um, every year we go into the offseason saying, okay, who's a freshman? Who's a sophomore who's ready to make that leap? Who could contend for a starting job? Who's going to be on the two deep that we haven't seen before? Corey Stover and Ryan Frankie both. Um, but in particular, Stover, just because I think the, the, the coaches have vocalized with him as well, too, that, that they're really high on him. The tough thing for them is they've got they have an SEC transfer ahead of them. Right. Yeah. Andrew Chatfield. I didn't see much of him this spring. I, I think he was limited a bit just because the coaches kind of know what they're getting with him. Um, he essentially is penciled in as a starter. You don't want to risk those guys. I, I um, saw him while you were gone in Greece. OK, and impressed. Talk, talk a little bit. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what you saw from him, because I know that Oregon state fans have, have kind of been hounding us for, uh, for Intel on, on Chatfield. Yeah. I mean, again, not a ton of him. And what made it difficult is he and um, Fisher wear the same number. So they're both in 10. Somebody's gonna have to switch that out because they're both going to be playing. But um, what I saw from Chatfield is quick, quick off the snap, quick off the ball. Um, and able to get in that backfield pretty, pretty quick. Um, got a good uh, swim move and he can just kind of spin his way around. Um, what I saw from Corey Stover is more of the just big, tall, um, lanky D end. So, um, but I like what both of them add. And uh, yeah, I, I think Beaver fans will be excited for, for Chatfield because he's kind of. I'll throw in there away. too. Um, I, I actually talked to Chatfield after practice 
last week, uh, I want to say Tuesday, kid's got a great personality too. You know, he was laughing throughout the whole interview. Um, he, we got a couple of great screenshots that we, you know, that we put on the lodge of, of just his great smile. He's, he brings a bunch of personality to the, to the defensive room too, which I think is great because this team plays with some swagger now. I, I think you and I can both agree uh, what Trent Bray brings as far as energy and aggressiveness, you know, that shows up personality wise too. So oh, he lets the guys a hoot and a holler and we yeah. haven't seen a pat down. So I don't think we'll see that, but just, and then who's the first out on the field to, you know, chest bump these guys and to high five them. It's, it's Trent and they're yeah. jumping around and it's a coach it who is in a role that normally you would see up in the box on game yeah. days. Not a chance he's in the box no, this year. No. He wasn't as an interim guy. Um, he's 100% going to stay on the field and he's going to be the loudest, most energetic coach on the sideline. And to be honest, he's probably going to be louder than a lot of the players. <laughs> um, I, I think we've both really liked what we've seen from Trent Bray's defense. Obviously, it has its shortcomings. Obviously, depth is going to be a concern. Um, we, we have no idea what it's going to look like when it plays a Pac-12 caliber offense. Um, but what we've seen from it going up against its own offense yeah. is far, it's far, it's better. far away better than what we've seen in the last yeah, few years. Absolutely. Which, and like know. I said, the energy alone, and I, I think we're going to see a lot more um, blitzes, you know, kind of disguised blitzes. It's, it's going to be fun. I mean, I think it's going to bring some of that fun Oregon State defense back that, you know, fans kind of got used to. I'm right there with you. And we know the, the one thing that has held this team back from, reaching that next level and, and competing for a Pac-12 championship is the defense and and mostly the defensive front. Um, and so to see them standing out in camp, um, you know, obviously the, the defense should be ahead of the offense this part of the offseason, but in the past it hasn't. So to see that kind of come to fruition finally, um, is it's a really promising sign. And again, like I said, there are shortcomings, but they still need a D tackle, in my opinion. Need a big transfer D tackle, but or, may or about may, ten of them. Yeah, or ten, as Matt Chiffoni in the lodge would would say, like ten JUCO transfers. No, I, I I think May will be a big time for the transfer portal. Um, I do think Oregon State will be looking, you know, for maybe another edge edge rusher, a D tackle, maybe an O lineman. I don't. I, o lineman yeah. scares me a little bit. Offensive line is a is a it's a point of concern right now. I, I think they want to address it with maybe a JUCO guy or, or a transfer um, this off season. Jonathan Smith was actually asked after the spring game, what his biggest concern was offensive line depth was the one thing he mentioned. Yeah. Because the um, first team was great. I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from those guys, the starters, because yeah. I think all spring, they looked good. It was it's after that first team, it, you start getting some deficiencies. And a lot of that was due to injuries as well. Uh, yeah. There were some guys who were held out of camp with, uh, some minor, you know, bumps and bruises, nothing long-term as far as we're aware. Um, but yeah, there, there were like four or five guys who weren't ready to go, who could very well find themselves um, on, on the second team group come the fall. Yes. Uh, we are halfway through this show here as we hit 6.30 live. So I want to promote two things real quick. Um, joining Beaver Blitz, you know, the, the damn podcast is powered by Beaver Blitz um, a member of the 24 seven sports network. So a membership to Beaver Blitz gets you all of the coverage that Angie and I provide on a daily basis at, at Beaver Blitz. You get all sorts of recruiting Intel access to experts across the network, um, and team sites across the board, all across the country, any team you could ask for, 
Uh, you can go in and access their message boards, get all sorts of uh, you know, content on, on what's going on. So if you're a national college football fan like myself, 24-7 sports is the place to be, and Beaver Blitz is your Oregon State extension of that. I also want to drop for our YouTube viewers right now, of course, our Beaver Blitz merch link. So I was going to wear my sweatshirt tonight. I had my hoodie out. It just came out of the laundry. And then when I put it on, you know, like sometimes the laundry soap gets kind of stuck and it's black mm -hmm. and it just looked bad. So I had to go throw it back in the laundry. So, but I was all excited. I was going to put on my cozy Beaver Blitz hoodie. It really is pretty, it's so comfortable. And I'm not saying that just, it was inexpensive for a hoodie. It was, it was under $30. And it was comfortable and I might have to order another one or two because pretty awesome. Carter designed some, some winners there too. It's always fun. It's always fun to go to a, to an Oregon state baseball game or even the spring game and, and see, you know, members that we know on, on a first name basis now of, of Beaver Blitz. And a lot of them have the merch and um, are excited to wear them to, to games this spring and then football games in the fall. So uh, the, the link to the Beaver Blitz merch store is in the YouTube chat if you're watching live or if you watch the replay of this. Um, if you're listening live, it's beaverblitzmerch.myspreadshop.com. All right, Angela, let's talk baseball. I just got back from the second game of a two-game set against Gonzaga last night, and Oregon State pulled off the uh, the comeback in the series, yeah. if you will, to, to split that at one and one. But let's go back a couple of days further because that was the fifth game in six days for Oregon State after it completed a series against Long Beach State. Um, I, Angie, I don't know how much of that series you saw against the Dirtbags, but I, I want to get your thoughts on, on a non-conference sweep against a team that is, you know, one of those perennial powers out West out of the Big 12. Or, yeah, sorry, sorry, the Big West. Big West, yeah. I didn't see a ton of the games because they weren't televised and I didn't have the streaming. But we were following along, and, I mean, they just, they dominated. I mean, it was, you know, they put up some points. Um, and like you said, Long Beach might be struggling a little bit this year, but it is one of those teams that you think of year in and year out as being a team to watch. So um, I'm super impressed. And then uh, moving to that Gonzaga game, I know you were at all of the games, so you'll have a lot more to say. But um, so the first Gonzaga game was on TV and I didn't, I forgot about it until I turned it on partway through. And by that point, Gonzaga was a big lead and the lodge melts down. And uh, I think it's good. I think we should talk about maybe a little bit of midweek games because then they did uh, yesterday. Then it was not on TV. I jumped in the lodge to follow your, your thread. When I jumped on, it was four zero Gonzaga. And I was like, Oh shoot. Keeping it PG tonight. Um, and I thought, dang it. And then kept checking back and, and the beefs had come back come back and pull it out. But Carter, what did you see? Um, and, and what are your concerns with this team? Well, I, I want to start with the Long Beach State series because I think even with the things that transpired in the midweek series, um, the, the two most notable things that occurred this weekend are the return of Jake Fenigs and the return of um, TJ Wheeler. So Fenigs came back. He was on a very limited pitch count. He threw one and two thirds against the dirtbags and held them to one hit. And that hit came on his last at bat. So um, he got the uh, he got the the hook after that, but it was, it was a great showing from him, you know, no signs of, of, um, of general fatigue or anything like that. You know, he looked sharp the whole time he was out there. Um, and they're going to continue to build him up as he comes back from that 
what he described as a shoulder injury, but then he mentioned the muscle and I was like, okay, that's in his back. So I'm going to go with what we've heard, <laughs> which heard is a back. back injury. But then I also had another source that said, oh no, don't let them try to fool you because it was elbow. And yeah, so I think it was kind of all over the board, but it I, was, I'm going with back. So from, from Jake Fenix himself, it was a strained lat, which is you okay, know kind of the side back, of your back. Yeah. Um, so a strained lat, which obviously that's, that's a, a tough injury to come back from as a pitcher because, yeah. you know, all of that torque of that, is going yeah. to your elbow and to your lat. Yeah. Um, but it was good to see him back out there. I, I think it's huge for the, um, for the rotation and, and quite frankly, for the bullpen too, yeah. to, to get another pitcher out there who can eat up some innings and, and obviously provide you with, um, you know, the, I, I guess the performance of, of one of the best pitchers out West. Um, and, and to see TJ Wheeler out there as well, after what he went through with, you know, kind of that, that freak accident, I, I don't know if, if you read the, uh, the Joe Freeman article or if all of yes. our listeners have read yes. it, but, um, to essentially go blind in your left eye and be yeah. on bed rest for about two weeks man, to come back from that in the span of a month and a half and, and, and just, you know, immediately hit an RBI single and then have a couple of, of good showings in the, cause that was a ball to the eye, right? Yeah. It bounced off of a bat and ricocheted up and hit him in the eye as he's standing behind, uh, you know, pr protective netting. So totally a, a freak incident. Um, but pretty remarkable to see him out there and, and to see him kind of pick up where he left off. Yeah. Uh, with a, a couple of really big games in Arizona before he got hurt. Um, well, let's move to, to Gonzaga because obviously that's, that's fresher in people's minds. So Oregon state drops the first game 13 to six on Monday. Um, nothing went, went the way of Oregon state's defense from pitching to, you know, a, a couple of what, what could have been a couple of errors, but ended up being one error in the field. Um, it was quite frankly, a disaster. Um, things just kind of spiraled when, when adversity first hit. And I, I talked to Mitch Canham after the second game and, and kind of got his thoughts. And he said, you know, after the game, we had a, we had a heart to heart with this team. We said, you know, this is, it's an opportunity for us to, to bounce back and, and to get things right. And, you know, we, we want to make sure that everybody's bought into doing that. Second game got off to a pretty inauspicious start yeah. as well with the four runs in the first, but then the bounce back, that they showed throwing eight scoreless, putting up nine runs, racking up 10 more hits to come back and win that pretty handily at nine yeah. to four. Um, I, I think was everything that Mitch Canham asked for when, when he met with the team in the outfield for about, I don't know, five to 10 minutes after that first game. Yeah, I, I think, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit, just off, you know, just you and I having our, our talk is baseball is such a, a funky sport in that, things can, sometimes the ball just isn't going to bounce your way. And it seems like no matter what you do um, or don't do, it, it's just going to go. I mean, hits go, you, you can hit the ball great, but they just happen to fall or, you know, not fall and, and go right to players. And um, so, so much of that is, is kind of out of their hands, but they did, they did not look good on Monday. Um, but to see them bounce back like they did, I think it's huge. And, and this is a Gonzaga team that is a, a top 15 team. So um and it's been fun though, watching the discussion in the lodge, because you have people that the sky is falling and then you have the other camp saying, you know, gosh, these are the young guys pitching. You gotta, you know, this is what these midweek games are for. What are your thoughts on the Beavers pitching? Um, I mean, Pac-12 tournament is, we just 
Carter just booked his trip. Carter is going to the Pac-12 baseball tournament to cover for, for Blitz. Carter, what are your thoughts? What are your biggest concerns about pitching potentially or just where this team is that kind of the midpoint of the season? Yeah, I think we saw the weakness of this team kind of rear its head this week in, in the two-game series against Gonzaga. Pitching in, in midweek games is kind of always an adventure, regardless yeah. of, of how good your staff is. I mean, we saw it last week with number one Tennessee losing its maybe, what, third game of the yeah. season to, yeah. to Tennessee Martin or Tennessee Tech, one of those smaller yeah. schools. Um, all sorts of top-ranked teams, yeah. you know, fall fall to um, – to bottom dwellers in middle week in midweek games, Oregon state just split a series against what should be, in my opinion, a top 10 team. Gonzaga came in ranked number 12. Um, quite frankly, I, I think they're ranked too low. Um, that's a team that is, it, it has all the makings of an Omaha team. Okay. Oregon state. Wow. Went, okay. And Oregon state just went three and one on, on, against them on the season, yeah. splitting this midweek series. Um, so the sky is not falling. Okay. Like as, as much as people want to say like, oh, that one game, like exposed all sorts of weaknesses, like sure. Um, but it's baseball, <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. these, these things happen, but what it did kind of, I think confirm to me is that Oregon state's bullpen is simply not as deep as it has been in years past. And Oregon state has been absolutely blessed. Just so lucky with what it's gotten from its bullpen over the last 10 to 15 years that when you have an average bullpen instead of, or, or let's just say, I mean, this is a good bullpen. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you have a good bullpen, as opposed to a top five bullpen, yeah. um, some people will think that the sky is falling. Do you um, think the bats though are better than maybe what we've seen maybe in the past 10, 15 years as a whole? Yeah. This I, I think is one of the best offenses Oregon state has had probably all time. Okay. Um, it's, it's going to go on to score more runs than, most of those yeah. um, elite teams that we've seen in the past, the 2017 and 18 teams coming to mind, you know, they had a great offense. Yeah. This year's team is right up there with them. Okay. Uh, the, the only weakness there is at, at the bottom of the lineup. Okay. You know, it's been kind of a revolving door at, at, at shortstop, third base, DH, yeah. trying to see who can come in and, and provide a spark at the bottom of the lineup. And, uh, and Paul Myra, the fourth yesterday came in and, and reached base four times in his uh, essentially his debut at the plate. So, um, they might've found something there, but the two weaknesses to, to kind of answer your, your previous question um, that I saw this week being the pitching depth and the bottom of the lineup are two things that could present some challenges in the postseason. Okay. Um, we all know, you know, if we're all familiar with kind of the format of, of the NCAA playoffs here, um, you could end up playing five games in the span of four days and you have to have the pitching depth to overcome that. I don't know if this team does, it might have to rely on his off on its offense. And that's a scary thing to do in the postseason. Uh, defense wins championships on, on the baseball diamond. That is 100% the truth. Um, but I, like I said, I think it's one of the better offenses Oregon state's had too. So that weakness on, on the mound might, might be mitigated by that. Do you think, from what you saw Monday to Tuesday, do you think this maybe that loss was a good thing to happen at that time? Maybe waking them up, maybe making them focus a little more. Obviously, like no loss is ever a good thing, but a wake up call for sure. Um, 
seeing the way that they bounce back gives me a lot of hope that, you know, if they have a down series or if they lose the first game of, you know, one of the rounds in the postseason, I, I think they're going to have the wherewithal to bounce back. Um, the the morale of this team didn't drop after a difficult game, um, which is it's important. And it was good to see. So they have to be a goldfish. The, the beavers goldfish. have to be a goldfish. Have you not seen like my new favorite show, Ted Lasso? No, I still haven't seen oh. it. I know. Okay, Ted Lasso, that's his thing. You got to be a goldfish, and the, the reason that is, is oh, because goldfish I, I see it. Short have memory. the shortest memory of any animal. Yep, be a goldfish. I, I think we saw that this week. I won't um, give another Ted Lasso quote because my favorite Roy. He kind of says some bad words from time to time. <laughs> we are keeping it PG tonight. We are. All right, so Oregon State returns to Pac-12 play this week after five non-conference games with a home matchup against Washington. Uh, They will play Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week after last week's Thursday through Saturday series. First pitch on Friday is set for 5.35 p.m. at Goss Stadium. Angie, Washington comes to Corvallis ranked 10th in the Pac-12. Um out no, of 11. Check, check that. Right? Check that ninth because Colorado doesn't have baseball. Okay. okay. Um, so the bottom three in the conference right now, USC checks in at 11th, Washington State at 10th, Washington at 9th. This Husky team is 16 and 18 overall, 6 and 12 in conference play, and they're coming off of a home sweep um, at the hands of Oregon. So they get the uh, the Oregon Trail matchup back to back weekends, and it doesn't get any easier um, as they have to go on the road to Oregon State. So two teams that are kind of trending in opposite directions right now. Angie, this this needs to be a sweep, right? For it needs to be a sweep. It absolutely does. But the, you know the, these can be tricky games because it's still kind of a rivalry game. Washington has a proud baseball history, and um, they would want nothing more than to come and, and take one from from Oregon State, but. Absolutely, this should be a should be a sweep, and I think JP would agree with us both on that. I expect to see that walk off on Friday morning in my inbox with a with a sweep prediction. But I would go as far as to say, as you know, if if Oregon State wants to win the conference this year, I think this has to be a sweep. Yeah, I, I think the the two series against Utah and Washington, Oregon State needs to win five, if not six, of those games because the. The schedule, to be honest, for Oregon State does not line up favorably down the stretch. You know, they get uh, UCLA, Oregon. Those are tough teams and uh, and two teams that are going to be competing for the conference title themselves. So, yeah, I'd like to see Oregon State take three here in another home series as they wrap up this eight game homestand. They enter the weekend. Um, obviously with the same ranking that they took in, in the midweek series. So they're, they're ranked number, number two by four polls. Okay. Uh, baseball America has them at number three and then collegiate baseball has been the outlier all year. Cause they don't even cover college baseball um, at number seven. So <laughs> it's hard to believe that Oregon state was ranked 16th last last yeah. week by a poll, yeah. but that's collegiate baseball for you. They right, don't cover baseball, but yet they're still giving. Yeah, like, I yeah, they're they're, there, they're more into they're more into prospects than they are. Yeah, in, yeah, you know, the whole yeah, it's the whole draft thing. So, uh, so why yeah. even have a poll? I mean, come on. 
And, and why call yourself collegiate baseball? Exactly. That's what I was, I was going to make that comment, but that's, that's besides the point. Uh, yes. Angie, we're, we're coming up on time here. So we got to talk yes. men's basketball before we, uh, before we get out of here. So men's basketball signing day was this past week. Uh, I think we're about a week removed now as we record this on Wednesday. Yes. Oregon state, obviously um, needing to retool its roster. Just, you know, yes. out as, first of all, out of necessity, because yeah. everybody, everybody's gone, <laughs> gone. Um, but second of all, for a culture overhaul and, yeah. you know, quite frankly, a talent overhaul as well. So Oregon State signed three on signing day, Nick Crass, Jordan Pope and Jaden Stevens being those three. They joined two players who already signed uh, in the winter in Tyler Bilodeau and Michael Rattage. So Angie, I, I don't know, you mentioned before, you know, you didn't have a good read on, on any of these guys. And, and quite frankly, I, I don't either. Um, 24 seven sports I know is, is undergoing a bit of a, of turnover on the yes. basketball scouting staff. So yeah. we don't have the scouting report on these guys that we normally would at the moment. Um, but what have you heard uh, about any of these five guys that, that makes you excited or concerns you about the talent that might well, be coming in this year? You know, basketball is such a, a, a different sport because you can grab guys that maybe get mid-major looks and, and they still turn out to be really good players. It's, it's a little different than football. Um, like you said, I, th- I think chemistry is going to be the biggest, biggest piece of this. And talking about these guys, I have heard that they should fit in well with the roster. Um, the guys that are there, um, they want to be in Corvallis. They are excited to be there. But until they get here, it's really hard to gauge that. And, and you know, you mentioned um, back talking football about um, Chadwick and just how well he fit into the locker room and how how energetic he was. And I can say the same thing about Deshaun Fenwick. Super fun to talk to, interview. He's always laughing. And so to see what Jonathan Smith has done, which I would argue might be a little tougher when you're dealing with that many players, to keep guys that kind of fit that culture. Um, but basketball, it, it's tough too because you get one guy that maybe – goes against the culture and it can ruin the whole locker room. So hopefully that these guys will come in. Um, but basketball as a whole, women's and men's have really struggled this offseason, keeping players from hitting the portal. Um, so I think both Wayne Tinkle and Scott Ruick both have work to do um, with the recruiting front and, and making sure they're fit, finding guys that A, can play basketball and B, fit the culture. Yeah, in my opinion, it's a little more concerning on the women's side, just considering the, uh, yeah. the talent level of the players leaving um, and the fact that nobody has come in yet. Um, yeah. But but as far as the um, the men's signing class goes, from a talent perspective, Michael Rittage is the one that stands out to me. Yeah. Uh, he's coming over from Germany and is kind of widely regarded as, as one of the top international prospects coming over to the U.S. for uh, to play collegiately this year. So that that's someone who I, I think you could look to as a, a true freshman contributor um, to maybe rally the troops a little bit um, outside of that Jaden Stevens and Tyler Bilodeau, both being from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the coaches were able to build more of a connection with them. They know yeah. more what they're getting as opposed to last year where they're you know doing the recruiting yeah. via zoom and, <laughs> and nobody can come to campus it's, it's no wonder why things turned out the way they did last year, um, given all the restrictions. Um, but this year, you know, building those connections, having some more local guys, and then going to the other side of the country and picking up a guy in Nick Crass who had a couple of, of power five offers too. You know, that's, that's good to see Oregon state winning a recruiting battle there. So I hope Rataj being an international student that 
I'm, I'm hoping the maturity level is high and that maybe he can be that guy that can kind of bring guys together. Yeah, absolutely. It's a group that I, I think is well-rounded from a, a talent and size and, and, and playing style perspective. And I think all of these guys seem to be high character guys. Um, just reading what Wayne Tinkle has said about all of them, you know, praising even their, their families saying yeah. that, you know, these are great families. Um, I, I think we should see a, a much different look as far as talent and culture goes next season. So, you know, I, I'm not going to provide any predictions. I'm not even going to tout the program <laughs> yeah. right now because it's way too hard to do yeah. any of that after what we saw last year, considering yeah. how high the expectations were. But I do think it, it could be a little bit more of a rebound than people might expect given what just happened. Um, that's still, you know, like eight months away. So we're going to have all of this time to, to, uh, to discuss it and contemplate what could have been and, and what could be. Um, we've got one more sport to touch on before we get out of here. So for the last time for the yeah, season, for the last time this year and, and for the last time for what could be a while as she embarks on an, an international career again, uh, Jade Carey finishes fourth in the all around at the NCAA championships capping off what was an absolutely historic year from someone who set all, all sorts of records at Oregon state, um, who was consistently at the top of the national leaderboards and in multiple events who kind of took the conference and, and quite frankly, the country by storm, uh, to see Jade go out with a, with a fourth place finish at the NCAA championships is obviously, um, really fun to see. Yeah. And just talk about another, just joyous person to cover and just to kind of watch her. We don't cover gymnastics as a whole, but to watch her and, and interact with her the few times we did throughout the season, just a joy, just a smile that can light up a room and someone that obviously loves Oregon. Yeah. You, you mentioned it, you, you cut out there at the end, but you mentioned oh. the, um, you know, just, we talked about this last week too, just Oregon State's so lucky to have Jade Carey on campus representing the university, um, representing a, a very proud gymnastics program as well. Um, I think we said last week that that Carey was the, she marked the, the 15th time in the last mm -hmm. 16 years Oregon State has sent someone to the NCAA championships. Uh, so obviously the precedent has been set and, and she's only raising the bar as an Olympic gold yeah. medalist. So the the past, the present, and the future all very bright for Oregon State gymnastics and and thanks in large part to Jade Carey. That is everything we have to recap from this week in Oregon State athletics. Angie's heading off to France, so she won't be here for the next two weeks. We're still kind of determining what we're going to do podcast wise. We might have some guests on the next two weeks as Angie's abroad and and you know taking a a much deserved break, but. Um, if we don't talk to all of our listeners in the next two weeks, uh, Angie will be back in back. early May as we get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Baseball will be nearing the postseason. Um, as Angie mentioned, I'll be going to Scottsdale for the Pac-12 tournament, so we'll preview that a little bit. Um, but until then, you can follow her on Twitter at Angie Machado one You can follow me at Carter Baines. Um, and, and be sure to stick with the Beaver Blitz over the next two weeks, even while Angie's gone. I'll be here with with baseball coverage. And, and well, and, and you know what else is coming up in May is huge because the coaches hit the road. So bit football, back to football. Um, 
to, for recruiting. So they're going to be, it's evaluation period, going to be huge. And then June is huge official visit time. So it's not going to be a dull moment around Beaver Blitz. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff coming up, even in a time of year where we finally only have one sport going. It's been a while. Yeah, um, so it's been a while. I mean, I'm, I'm not on vacation by any means, but it feels like it now that uh, yeah. we have a little bit less off of our plate. So Angie, enjoy yourself in France. Uh, bring back some some good vibes and uh, and enjoy yourself while you're there. Have a great time. Um, I, I'm sure Beaver Blitz will miss you. And um, it's that they're they're OK they're, with you going off for a couple of weeks because they know that you deserve it. Well, and they know that you're running the show. So everything is good. What can I say? We'll be back either next week or in two and a half weeks. We don't know yet. Um, but for Angie, I'm Carter Baines. This has been the damn podcast. We will catch you sometime in the next couple of weeks. All right, we're good. Awesome. <laughs>